The following is a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. Before there was radio, TV, or podcasts, people gathered together to tell stories. These stories were meant to entertain or educate. It really drew people in and helped them forget their troubles of the day and experience something they've never imagined before or maybe illustrated something in a way that was more easily to mentally digest. This tradition has been reborn in the forms of not only RPGs and LARPs, but in console, card, and board games as ways to tell a story and bring you into the tale. We're going to be talking about news, kickstarters of games you should be aware of, and interview a guest about a topic that involves some aspect of storytelling. We welcome you to the Adventure Party. Hello, and welcome to the 52nd gathering of the Adventure Party on this, the 19th of June. I'm your party leader, Brad Ludwig. We ask that you peace tie your swords, holster your blasters, and make sure you have enough ink in your printer before you are gathered at the meeting table. That's a little hint as to what we're going to be talking about tonight. Now, our second-in-command here at the Adventure Party is Glenn Bittner. He is a movie reviewer on the YouTube show The B-Movie Bunker and the creator of the RPG Mist Runner. How are you today? I'm feeling rather imperial Uh, because I'm working on Stormtroopers. Ah, yeah, I thought maybe you're wearing a crown or just had some butter and uh, <laughs> oh god, only the older folks will know what that uh reference is to. They will, <sighs> so <laughs> now with that advertising blast from the past, you're all very welcome you older folks like us. Uh, We are going to do our regular roundtable, our game review and game news, and we are going to talk about our topic this evening, which is PDF versus print. Uh, When it comes to to RPGs, and we've talked in the past about how we enjoy using drive-through RPG, uh, they do offer both PDF and print, but more often than not, PDF. And there is a big question as to which is superior, which is more convenient, which is better to use. And it's not really a cut and dry kind of thing. So Glenn and I are going to take some time this evening to talk about what we think are the pros and cons of of both PDF or print when it comes to gaming books. So. We're going to kick things off as we normally do with Glenn doing his game review. And it looks like you have got an interesting game for us. What is the title of this particular game? All right. The title of this game, which is probably also one of the longest game titles of the year, is Escape from the Aliens from Outer Space. Sorry, in Outer Space from Osprey Games. This is a reprint or a re-release of an older, well, that's not too old, but uh, a game that came out before. It runs two to eight players. It's about 30 to 45 minutes, and that's pretty accurate. Uh, retails for about $42. Now, this game is, it's kind of a hidden, what the? Sorry? Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that was me or you. No, um, that's, that's me. That's okay. 
for those of you who are checking us out on on the YouTube version of this, uh, we always do a screen share, or at least I do, and pull up Board Game Geek. And I have a feeling that Glenn has both his video window open and Board Game Geek and got double vision and wondered what the hell was going on. So, right, yeah. <laughs> I'm confused easily and I frighten, so I may run up a tree later. I'll give um, you a hug. That's fine. All right. So, Escape from the, Escape from the Aliens in Outer Space. It's... um kind of a hidden identity and hidden movement game. For those who are familiar with games like Scotland Yard or Letters from Whitechapel, this kind of falls a little bit in those lines where you actually are divided into teams. Some of you are aliens, some of you are humans. The humans need to escape via escape pod. The aliens want to eat the tasty, tasty humans. You don't know who's who at the start of the game. You are dealt out cards that give you an identity at random. You can either just play at the very basic level, just saying, I'm an alien or I'm a human, or you can actually get characters who will have special abilities, such as like the brute is an alien where he's immune to attacks from anything. Or there's the soldier who is the only human that can actually attack a space that he's in. And different people have different abilities, and every different alien has different abilities. Now, The maps themselves, it's really nifty because you have a a bunch of different maps you can use. And what it is, is it's all on basically a little booklet. It's a dry erase booklet. And there's enough, there's eight of them come in the game. So up to eight players can each have their own little booklet to mark off where they travel. Uh, All the humans start in the same spot and all the aliens start in their own spot. Humans can move one space per turn. Aliens can move one or two. And if aliens manage to kill a human, they can actually move faster because the more stuff that they kill, the faster they can move as the game goes on. Oh boy. Now, yeah. So it's a hex based maps. So each turn, everyone's going to secretly mark down. Uh, you have a little tracker on, on top of basically it's two pages. One page is the map. One page is your tracker. And you're going to write down where you're ending your turn. So you might, you know, you say you're an E1 and you're a human. You're going to end your turn by moving to E2. You can move one space. Uh, as I said, the aliens can move too. So as after everyone has marked down where they're moving, then in turn order, you look to see what color space you're on. If it's white, you just announce silent in all sectors, meaning you made no noise. However, if it's gray, you have to draw a card, and the cards can be various different things. Some can be just a red noise card, meaning you have to say exactly where you are. So, as I said, I moved to E2. If I had moved there and and drawn a red card, I would then announce noise in sector E2. Now, everyone knows, possibly knows, that I am in sector E2. Because there's also a green noise card, which is a false noise. So you can announce anywhere that you want. So I'm on E2, but if I draw a green one, I might say noise in L13, trying to throw people off. I could announce where I'm standing as well if I'm trying to think that people think they know where I am and then they think I'm lying. And there's lots of mind games you can play with this one. There's also equipment you can pick up in in the advanced game. Different equipment, generally usable only by the humans. Some aliens can use very specific things, but you might get a shield, which means if you get attacked by an alien, the shield will protect you for a turn. Or you can get a sedative, which means you can move silently even when moving through a gray space. And most of these are one-time use only. So as you're moving around, you're, as I said, humans are trying to get to escape pods. If you get to one, you then have to draw from the escape pod deck because there's actually one of the escape pods, unknown at the start, will be broken. <laughs> so as we had in one game we played, 
one guy got to an escape pod and he drew from the deck. He drew the broken one on the first time. So now he has to go to a different escape pod. It's pretty cool because you're trying to introduce who everyone is based on how they're moving. And I've spent one game chasing someone I thought was human who ended up being another alien. <laughs> so I wasted a lot. We both wasted a lot because we were both kind of chasing each other around and we were both in the same team. Now, the aliens, if you think you have ended your turn on a spot with a human, instead of drawing a card from the deck, you will announce, I am attacking, and then the sector. So if I was an alien and moved to E2, I would say, I'm attacking E2. Now, generally only aliens can attack. So by me announcing that, you're going to think, oh, he's an alien. Now, as I said, there's one human, the soldier, who can attack once during the game. So the soldier can also attack. If you attack a hex, you kill anything that's in it. So if I'm an alien and I attack E2, and there's another alien there, that other alien is dead. Oh, boy. If it's a human, they're also dead. But there's a difference. If I kill a human, they start over at the alien start space as an alien. If it's an alien, I have just eliminated one of my teammates from play. <laughs> <laughs> so only one human will win. That is whoever gets to an escape pod first, a working escape pod. That human would win. The aliens will win if they kill all the humans or if the humans don't reach an escape pod within a certain number of rounds. I believe it's 40, which seems like a lot, but the second time we played, we got up to like number 32 for rounds, for turns, before someone finally got away, and I missed him by one space because you can't double back. Ooh. And I thought, I'm like, he's going, I know, where, I know about where he is, so I went to the escape pod, and I attacked a square next to it, and then I couldn't get, because I had to move, I moved away, and then he went right where I had been standing, where I attacked. So I couldn't get him, and he got away, that little dirty. <laughs> but yeah, it's really cool, because you've got this whole secret movement and secret identities at the start. You don't know who's who. It can be a little frustrating for some people if you don't like deduction-type games, because you will be chasing your own tail every now and again, because you don't know... Is that person really making noise from where they are? Did they get a false noise? I actually, one of the aliens I played, he treated every card he drew as a noise anywhere. So he could, I could make up wherever it was every single time, which was screwing with some people because I'd, I'd be halfway across the board from where my last space was. I'm like, you, that's 20 squares. You couldn't have moved 20 spaces in one turn. So it really is a nifty, nifty game. And I love the fact that you get these nice dry erase. You just come with, with paper maps, and then you would just use them up, and they'd be done. But now you've got this dry erase, which is wonderful. And, yeah, it's just super cool. We played it uh, three times last Sunday. And same guy, freaking human, same human won. He was human three games in a row, and he won every time. <laughs> ah, it was so annoying. I did get to kill two people. As an, I was an alien every game. I got to kill two people at least, which made me happy. But uh, it was just in the smug look when they get away. It's like, ah, I escaped. And like, yeah, till now. And no, we'll be back. We'll be back. <laughs> and this did win an award, it looks like. Did it? The Diana Jones Award for Excellence in Gaming. Well, it was, a, I'm sorry, it was a nominee. I apologize. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it was re-released uh, just a couple of weeks ago with the better components. If you look on the Board Game Geek, you can see both the paper maps and then also show some of the dry erase. 
and it's just really well done. I like the art style for it too. That that kind of silhouette-y yeah, kind of yeah. art style, and it's just it fits really well. And it is it does get a, a bit creepy. Um, I didn't see it as much because I was the stalker the whole time, but I could see the the worry on some of the humans' faces when you could tell you were getting close to them because they'd be getting really nervous looking and they'd just be fidgeting more because it's like, I have to just, if I guess the right one, I'm going to land on top of them. But that's the thing too, is if I land on you, you only die if I attack you. Yep. So if I don't know I'm in the same space as you, oh, that's too bad. And I actually had another alien attack me once. We were in the same square and he attacked. However, I was lucky because I was the brute, so he didn't kill me. Oh, Otherwise, I would have been out of the game. That's the one that went 32 rounds. That was on, on like, turn nine. So, <laughs> Wow. And, yeah, if, if, if it gets down to one alien, he's really kind of – it's hard if, if you can't figure out who the other aliens are, if you're an alien, because you really need to kind of coordinate a bit to try, try to pin the humans down because you're all off going your own ways. It, it can really, you know, the fact that you have to catch that human in the right spot, it's really hard. I mean, like I said, I managed to do it twice, but, you know, that was in three or three times in three games. And it was just because there all the humans were moving to the same area. So it was kind of a, a lucky guess to finally just get one because it's like, well, I know there's three people over here. I'm going to get one of them eventually by just jumping somewhere and attacking because I know where they're all going because the other... The escape pod they just left was all broken. And I know that they weren't lying about their location because as soon as the escape pod was broken, I could see the dejected looks on their faces. <laughs> yeah. Especially the person who flipped over the, the one broken one. I'm like, ah, I'm going to get you. And then that's it, the person I ate. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's a really, it's a really cool game. And it's, as I said, it can be frustrating. So if you don't like, games where at times it feels like you're smashing your face into a brick wall it might not be for you the first game we played the human he just kept drawing blank cards which basically means he can just say it's silent oh i didn't mention that one yeah one of the cards you can draw is basically it's a silent card so you don't have to announce where you are or if you draw equipment you don't announce where you are he just kept drawing equipment and silence so he only he only gave his position away twice the whole game because he kept drawing good cards, and it's like, oh, just tell me where you are once, even if it's a lie. I just want, I want to hear something other than I'm silent in all sectors. Because just, it's like, I want to eat you. I really, really want to eat you. But alas, it was not to be. It was not. So, oh well. Now it sounds like a very fun game. Like you mentioned, it's. Uh, what, about 45 minutes at most if you uh, not your first time out obviously but i mean I just, our, we played the we it was the first time we played it was on sunday and we got in three games in two hours oh wow so very nice okay so that sounds like a, a pretty fast-paced fun game to yeah. get everybody in now, now we didn't go up to eight we had we had four and six total in the in the games we played so Okay, okay. But then they play really shouldn't add that much time because you're all doing your moves at the same time. And then it's just simply drawing a card and saying something. So it should go pretty quick because there's not a lot of thought that goes into it once you've moved. As long as you keep people moving at a good pace. You may have to, with some people, you know, get a timer or something so they're not 
taking too long to figure out because you know yep. it's a hex man so you can you can have a lot of options to move sure yeah or so if you're you know if you're an alien who's eaten somebody well now if you move one two or three spaces that's a lot of different hexes i could possibly go to depending on the map yep. if i'm debating every single one of them it could take a while so i don't know if i'd play this one with randy <laughs> Ah, yes. <laughs> Dr. Wolfmeyer. Ah, no, this, uh, yeah, this, this sounds like a, a great game for, and this is what, two, uh, again, two to eight people? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, I haven't done a two-player yet. I'm, I'm thinking that's got to be kind of brutal as the alien. But four worked pretty good. Six worked really good. Okay. Excellent. Well, thank you for that, Glenn. Yes. And for those of you who are watching us on YouTube, yes, I'm yawning a lot. I did a bunch of outdoor yard work, climbing on the house and sawing down some branches and whatnot. So uh, we don't have air conditioning currently in the house. So uh, it's uh, it's taken its toll today. So if you're seeing me yawn a lot, it's not because I think uh, Glenn is boring. It's uh, I'm just pooped. If you like what you've heard on this Galactic Network podcast, please consider helping us out financially by going to gncast.com support. On that page, you'll find links to our Patreon campaign where you can make a small recurring monthly pledge of as little as $1. Or click on our Amazon affiliate link, make a purchase, and we get a very small percentage from the sale. Again, go to gncast.com support. And thank you for supporting the Galactic Network podcast. On to the news. And it, Glenn and I both play Fallout 4, and I have a Fallout 4 problem. So uh, this really kind of piqued my interest because I've been on the fence with getting uh, getting the season pass for Fallout 4, and this is definitely going to push me, push me over on that. And here we go. E3 2016 Fallout 4 Nuka World DLC lets you play as a raider. Uh, this August, Bethesda will release its final, aw, its final Fallout 4 DLC, Nuka World, in which we will finally be allowed to become the actual bad guy. You will be able to lead lethal gangs of raiders into rival settlements, bending the Commonwealth to your will. It's not clear whether this means Bethesda is adding a new faction, though it certainly sounds like it. According to new details on the Nuka World Steam page, which lists a conflicting July release date, possibly referring to a beta, the abandoned theme park is controlled by raiders. The all-new region features an open wasteland and park zones, uh, including the Safari Adventure, Dry Rock Gulch, Kitty Kingdom, and Galactic Zone. <laughs> New quests, raiders, weapons, creatures, and more are expected. Now, before the Nuka World content, Bethesda will release two other pieces of Fallout 4 DLC. There's Contraptions, which allows players to build Rube Goldberg-esque machines, and Vault Tech Workshop, which puts you in charge of a massive vault intended for experiments. Contraptions is expected this month, and Vault Tech Workshop is coming in July. Betas for each DLC pack will arrive on all platforms later this year. I, I saw the video from the, the E3 announcement that they put out for this, and, oh, and I'm going to do a screen share. You're not going to be able to hear the audio, 
And here comes, there we go. And now I'm presenting to everybody. So if you're checking this out uh, on uh, YouTube, you'll be able to see this. Nuka World was a amusement park that existed before the bombs dropped. And the Raiders have managed to kind of scrape this thing back together. And it is now an amusement park area that Wastelanders can enjoy. And you can even, if you're checking out the image, you can see that there's a, I, I don't know if their mascot is named Nuki or what, but there's a huge bottle of Nuka-Cola <laughs> with a big old smile on its face and big old Mickey Mouse hands on it. It's, it's ridiculous, but there it is. And they're going to... So uh, when it comes to, you know, we talked about the Rube Goldberg-esque part, uh, which is contraptions. I'm kind of wondering if they're going to have like rides and things like that, if they didn't have to build some kind of physics or some kind of engine to deal with with rides that, that move in. Because in watching the video of contraptions, you they literally, somebody takes a bowling ball and they've got pre-made channels in which this thing can move through and, and trigger other things to happen. And it's really interesting. So uh, I think with contraptions as well, you're going to be able to, with these Rube Goldberg-esque type things, you can actually mass produce certain things like somebody made a teddy bear machine and it made teddy bears. So there's the possibility of mass producing things that maybe you need to build other stuff. So maybe you can mass produce uh, clipboards so you can have more wood, but you would need wood to make the clipboard. So I, I don't know. There's, there's something else to it. And, and I, I can't wait to see more, more about the contraptions and uh, Nuka World. Making teddy bear ammo for my junk jet. Yes. <laughs> I have yet to find the junk jet. Where does the junk jet come into play? Is that in, in regular Fallout 4? Yep. Okay. I don't huh. remember where I found it. but Yeah, I just I, got... I bet the internet knows. I'm sure it does, and I'm not going to waste time uh, with people listening right now uh, to try to find it. Uh, I just, at this point I'm at level 69 or level 70. I don't recall. And I just got Curie okay. companion and I just transferred her over to the synth body. Uh, she is now basically dressed like Trinity. Uh, she's got a, a coarser uh, outfit that I put, uh, with the ballistic weave Mark V in for her. Uh, because Curie actually has hit points. And well, I know as a robot, she could actually be destroyed, it looked like, from what I read. So, nah. Really? Okay. None, none of your companions can actually die. That's what I, you know, I was reading the, the Nukipedia, and I'm, and it's been pretty accurate so far. She took a hit and she's like spraying sparks when she was in the nanny bot body. And I was like, oh, God, what's going to happen now? So whatever. She looks kind of badass in the Trinity from the Matrix outfit that I uh, with the coarser outfit. And then I gave her their goggles that uh, are form fitting. So they kind of look like the sunglasses that Trinity had from the Matrix. So 
with that short haircut, I'm like, that. this is perfect. So, and maybe I think too much about the game and how things look. So, all right, moving on. It's <laughs> good stuff. So the season pass is what, $49.99 now? So not only would you get uh, Wasteland Workshop, not only would you get Far Harbor, but you would end up getting Nuka World Contraptions and um, there's something else that I'm I'm missing in there, I know. But uh, it's, it's well worth it. And I don't think that there's an, a storyline that I've run into where I've gone, eh, I just finished out the Luka- uh, Lukowski canning thing where you find out what the mystery meat is. <laughs> oh yeah. Which, yeah, I was, I kept looking for terminals to find more stuff and you get to the very end. It's like, Oh, okay. And that explains that. And then of course, once you find out the secret things go sideways pretty quickly. So there you have it. Fallout four. I play it way too much. Think about it way too often. And I probably need help. Hauntings. Sky sounds, parallel universes, monster sightings, the New World Order, ghost ships, urban legends, mysterious radio broadcasts, and secret government facilities are just a few things we've talked about on Weird World Weekly. Listen to find out what's next. Go to gncasts.com slash weird to listen, find out more, and subscribe to the podcast that discusses the paranormal, mythological, conspiratorial, unexplained, or anything else we think is a little strange and out of the ordinary. Also, Matt's continuing search for turkey recipes. It's all on Weird World Weekly, part of the Galactic Netcast network of shows, also available wherever you listen to podcasts. Last week on the Kickstarter Spotlight, we talked about massive darkness. And that is... Uh, would you give us a rundown on what Massive Darkness is? Massive Darkness is a dungeon crawl board game. Cooperative. Uh, no game master. So you're all playing as heroes going through a massive dungeon, the Massive Darkness. They were looking for $200,000. It's cool many or not. So of course they hit their target. Of course they exceeded it. By currently being at $1.661 million with 17 days to go. Although I have heard people online talking about how, well, this, this one's really stalled out and it's not looking that great. I'm like, $1.6 million and you're like complaining because <laughs> it's stalled out. It's got almost 13,000 backers. If that's stalling out, gosh, I hope when I put my next game up that it stalls out at 13,000 backers. <laughs> Uh, yeah, boohoo. Yeah, you can get on this for 120 bucks. which for all the stretch stuff that you're getting, there's so many figures you're going to get. It's going gonna, it's gonna to break down to like less than a dollar a figure. I mean, you just get so much stuff. I mean, at 120 you're getting 6 18 I mean, you're getting a lot. You have all the stuff, the original one, plus the heroes, plus all these extra enemies that have been unlocked, including some really big ones. Like there's a cockatrix, there's a... The Nightmare Thing, there's a Bloodseeker Minotaur, there's a Cliffbreaker, Cyclops, the Ogre Rockbreaker. The minis are great because it's cool mini or not. Just They've unlocked so many stretch goals. Let's see, and uh, they have added 
a couple others since we were last on. Now you got treasure chest, the nightmare thing with a new one. The next level, which they're almost at, is Sarah the High Elf, which they have nothing else beyond that because apparently they, they also must think they've stalled out. They don't need something for the next pass the next $9,000. But yeah, it's going to be made. And they added a retailer level, uh, which is great for those of you who run stores where basically people can buy it through the store. Uh, basically, the store gets copies and the stores can sell it. The thing being is that the stores are not allowed, you're supposed to not sell it for more than nor less than $120. So you can't jack it up. Sure. You can't, can't discount it down. You can't break it apart and sell off all the little extras as extra pieces, which I'm sure there's some people who will do, both retailers and non-retailers, who will take advantage of the fact that someone who didn't get in on this Kickstarter missed out and they really want that Cyclops or that, you know, Wear Tiger. And I'm sure this stuff will be going online for Buku Bucks. So I would say get in on it if you can, because it looks really cool. Previous guest, Rob Benton, jumped on this. And I think we talked about this uh, on the show as well, that for the number of minis that you're getting, what it would break down to for cost is less than you would pay for uh, Reaper's uh, uh, Bones series. Even if you go go in on a Kickstarter and you drop a hundred bucks, the last Kickstarter that I saw, what you dropped the money for were less figures than this, and that yeah. was for a hundred dollars. Yeah. And this isn't set to a particular size. Like the, I think we talked about how the Colossus is just stupidly huge, mm-hmm. or the Cyclops. Sorry, not Colossus. So. Uh, Regardless, even if you don't play the game, even if you just want the miniatures and the miniatures are beautiful, 120 bucks is nothing uh, for this number of figures that you're getting. No, it's definitely, I think, worth it. And like Glenn said, <clears throat> they were looking for 200,000. They're probably going to hit two mil uh, by the time this is done. So this is definitely happening. I kind of have a feeling that the delivery date might get pushed back a little bit with all of the new figures that they have to deal with here that they've been adding in their stretch goals. But even so, uh, it's going to be and, worth the wait. And okay. it probably will because Cool Mini generally doesn't release on time. <laughs> but they're, the, the quality of their miniatures are, are worth the wait. So. Yes, they are. This week... We're going to talk about, this is a game that's based on a webcomic that my girlfriend absolutely loves. Uh, Nessa loves the Awkward Yeti. And a lot of the stories that I've read have dealt with, and basically it's a webcomic about organs, about human organs. Each of the organs are their own characters. There's the heart, there's the brain, there's uh, the gallbladder, the liver, on and on. Each of the personalities that the organs have are based on his interpretation of how he thinks that organ would be if it were a person. So uh, the webcomic is is kind of a big deal. Looking at how this is playing out, Organ Attack, a card game by the Awkward Yeti, as of right now, with 13 days to go, their goal is $12,000. Uh, 
right now they're at 355,716. So this is going to happen. <laughs> Just barely. Yeah. Now the uh, base pledge to get on this is $16 and that's the budget pack. And you know, this is basically um, you get two card decks and a digital download of the rule books. So it's streamlined and it's the bare bones that you need. If you do $30, you get the medic pack basic. That's one game and one ID badge reels of choice uh, selection based on availability from the awkward Yeti store. I'm not sure what the ID badge is, and I didn't really... I don't see the ID badge on here for some reason. Uh, Now I feel bad. Anyways, moving on. Okay, for 107, this is kind of cool. I will Skype you for 30 seconds, not saying a single word the whole time. You'll get a signed copy of the game and a limited edition mini print. (laughs) This gentleman... Uh, Nick is uh, he's the artist and creator of the awkward Yeti. And he is a very funny and very interesting dude. If you pledge at the, and this is the top. Uh, oh, that one's gone. If you pledge at the $500 level, you get a party pack, which is five signed copies of the game, five signed limited edition organ attack, mini prints, five t-shirts from the awkward So yes, he offers merchandise based on his comic as well. So, now, these are going to be released based, depending on which one you get, either October of this year or November of this year for the delivery. So he's pretty much got everything ready to go. It just needs to go to the printer and get shipped out. So we've been talking about all the, what this is all about on the back end, but what's the game about? The object, uh, we talked about the object of the game. In addition to affliction cards like pancreatitis, which can be played on either gallbladder or pancreas, the game has instant defensive cards and lots of crazy tactical moves that shake things up. What you end up with is a pretty fast-paced, very fun and often intense gameplay that's suitable for all levels of players. So you've got things that... uh, You've got arrhythmia, which you can play on somebody's heart, or hot coffee, which you can dump on somebody's tongue or thyroiditis, which obviously attacks the thyroid. There are immunity boosts, so you can block other people's attempts to destroy your organs. So basically, it's just head-to-head. You're going against somebody, and you're trying to destroy other people's organs, and uh, (laughs) the last person with organs wins. So there you go. Uh, have you ever read or have you ever heard of the Awkward Yeti before today, Glenn? I have heard of it, but I have never read it. Now, having heard a little bit about kind of the sense of humor involved, and I trust Anessa's judgment, I may have to check this out. <laughs> As a special thing for the folks that are checking us out on YouTube, you can take a look at one of the strips uh, from the Awkward Yeti, and it's the the liver and the gallbladder talking and the gallbladder is all sad because it made these particular stones and it's very proud of it and showing it to the liver and the liver's having none of it. So (laughs) Uh, the liver is kind of a dick. uh, Not going to lie. 
And like I said, each of the organs has their own personality and it, it, it's a great web comic. If you do nothing else with this information I've just given you, check out theawkwardyeti.com. You will not be disappointed. The archives are expansive and uh, the comic strips are, are very funny. So there you go. This week we are spotlighting Organ Attack by the Awkward Yeti folk. So on to our discussion. And our discussion, as we mentioned earlier, is PDF versus print. Now, we've spoken to uh, Chris Trigenza of 66. We've, we've spoken to uh, Matthew McFarlane from Chill. We've spoken to uh, a number of folks who have put together games, RPGs more specifically, and are offering either just a PDF version or a PDF and a print version or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, to my mind, I can't think of somebody that we've talked about where they haven't offered a PDF alternative. PDF is just kind of a given. Yeah. Now. Because it really, it doesn't cost really the author or the production company anything more. Yeah, because all they've done basically is it's gone through the editing process and it's, you know, the layout's done. It's everything that you would need to do to get it to print. So you're not really out anything. I mean, it's just a part of the process. So at that point, since you've got something that is PDF ready, why wouldn't you kick something out like that? Um, the pros and cons of doing the PDF to me, um, while I don't mind having a PDF of something for reference, sometimes it's not easy to search through a PDF depending on what type of you know tablet you're using or um, you know what your particular PDF reading program. Uh, is capable of uh, based on the device that you're using. Like trying to use it on my phone is not always the best. So I was trying to do Pathfinder and I was trying to find a spell because I couldn't find my book and uh, it took forever to try to find it. So are you giving up searchability for portability? I, that's kind of my first question, and and I pose that to you. Um, I think only in a way. I mean, it it depends on. I mean, yes, it is. If if you're going to like to say a big convention and you want to take like a whole bunch of game books with you, it's obviously much easier to do that when you can just load them on a tablet or a laptop and take that just that with you, as opposed to have to carry around fifteen different books or more if you running like lots of source books and whatnot. Just bring a rolling um, suitcase with you. <laughs> which, you know, I mean, I remember those days when yeah. you, you'd have those people that Gen Con, and there's still some who do that, you know, have some people who just will not. Um, I played with a group of guys where the guy who ran the games, he did not allow any electronic devices at his table, um, which meant you could not use a PDF of anything during gameplay because there was, you can't look it up. 
Um, if you if you're serious about the game, you should have the book. Otherwise, you're not serious about the game. That was his big thing. Um, and I see, I see the PDF more as a supplement to the physical book than it is a replacement. And I know there are people who view that differently and they just prefer the PDF because they like to have their entire game library. But I'm, you know, I guess one of those people where it's the, I like the feel of a physical book in my hands is part of it. You know, I just, I just like that. Um, it doesn't mean I don't use PDFs, but yeah, I mean, you get the portability, but it can be hard to search for, especially, you know, if you don't have a tablet, not everyone has a tablet or, you know, and see reading on a phone for old, old fogies like me, I don't want to read that stuff, you know, in microscopic print. Um, and if I'm passing it around the table where people are, you know, going through and making characters, you know, do I want to be passing my tablet or, or even my, you know, if I have a tablet, my laptop around for everyone, you know, to, to be going through and it, in some ways it's inconvenient to have to do all that. Um, so I think the searchability, yeah, I, th I mean, even though, yeah, I can just do the, oh, I can just, you know, go to this page and just, you know, say, oh yeah, page, you know, go to the index and zap, it takes me there. But when trying to let multiple use it, I think a physical book is better. And this is my, you know, personal opinion. I'm sure there's some people who prefer just, you know, hey, bring, you know, bring your smartphone or your tablet and I'll just get you a copy of the PDF, which I do not condone if you didn't buy multiple copies of just giving all your friends a copy of the, of the thing to use. Yeah. I don't, I don't condone that. Um, Cause People, if you, you know, I mean, in that way, I kind of see where that one game master was, you know, the, if you're serious about the game, you get the book. Um, obviously, if you're first time playing, I can, you know, that's, that's when you get to use mine. I'm the one running it. I'm trying to get you interested in it. Use mine. But I don't know. It's, it's convenient to a degree, but... I, I just, I like being able to have that book and... I think the book too is easier if I'm trying to show show someone else something. It's easier to show them on a physical book than it is, you know, and say, "Oh, come here and look at look at the screen here." When I can just plop the book open and say, "Right here, this is what you want. You want here's here's your chart for, you know, all your stuff. This is you know here, so you can see here if you have an 18 strength, you get this bonus. You get this bonus for these things. These are all your perks, you know, or whatever your powers." because you're a wizard so you can do this every day and you can do this and I don't know I just and it may be just that I'm old <laughs> you know when I, I I fear change and no I well see I'm not sure I, I could be a good judge because I'm kind of in the same boat like when I got the PDF version, uh, I talked about this in the past, when I got the PDF version of uh, the White Wolf 20th edition, uh, 20th anniversary edition of Hunters Hunted, mm -hmm. I had to print it out. <laughs> uh, and I did. And it it ended up costing probably a little bit more than I had I gotten a print copy. But... You know, now I've got a PDF version and a print copy. 
Um, I'm the jury's still out as to whether that was a stupid move on my part. Uh, <laughs> but <clears throat> excuse me. I yeah. I my my big issue is independent. Like I like I when I started earlier with this, depending on what program you're using to um, peruse, you know, look through your PDF. To me, I like to bookmark things. So if there's a section that I know that I'm going to be coming back to probably quite often, not even so much with playing the game, but just in as I'm reading further ahead, I need to reference back to something to make sure I've got you know the rules perfectly set in my head. It's nice to be able to have a physical copy where I can just bookmark something. Now, that said... Uh, you know, current versions of at least the desktop version of uh, like a Adobe Acrobat reader, you can bookmark things. Yeah. You, you can highlight things. Uh, you can do some of those same things. So that excuse doesn't entirely work. But again, that's that's device dependent and software dependent for that device. So just to get around the possibility that (laughs) I'm not going to have that capability on whatever device I might be using at that particular moment in time. Um, To me, it's just nicer to have a physical copy. And two, I like having a full library of books. (laughs) You know, that's, that's how you and I started. We, we bought the physical books. And to me, even though you know, with the PDF option, it is kind of a waste of space. I, you know, I'm going to admit it. But there's something to there being a point of pride of being able to look at a shelf and go, those are all the books of games that I really love. And maybe they're not all games, maybe they're supplements for the games, but they're systems that I truly enjoy. And it's just really nice to look over there and go, yeah, I've got it. I've got all of it. Well, and the other thing I will say, too, about it, the joy of a physical book is it's not outlet-dependent. Yeah. If you run out of power, um, you can just find a candle, strike a match, and you can still read your book. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there is that, too. Um, at the end of the day... Um, you're going to want to own and consume things the way you like to. And whether that's a physical copy of a book or a digital copy of a book, you know, that's, that's your choice. And I guess we're not really going to be the, as Glenn likes to say, I'm not the arbiter of your fun. Um, We're not going to be the arbiter of how you deal with uh, having a library and whether that's a digital library on a laptop or your desktop or your tablet, or if that's an actual bookshelf library of books at the end of the day, it's always going to be what's best for you, what you truly enjoy because you're the one that's going to have to use it. So um, it should be all about what you like, what you enjoy and um you're spending the money for it, so you should get it the way you want it. So, Yes, you can have it your way. You can have it your way, not unlike 
Burger King. All right. On that note, we're going to wrap things up here. Uh, you well, can actually. I just wanted. To, I wanted to add one other thing on the PDFs. Oh, uh, yep. What where I think they actually are a big benefit is for the the indie producer. Okay, indie, indie, indie I rescind the wrap up. Here's a good a good yeah. point to make. Absolutely. Um, because, for example, I use my own game. I've I've sold more PDFs than I've sold the physical book because. I can sell the PDF much cheaper. Yeah. And if it's a game you've never heard of made by someone you've never heard of. And in, in my case, made by someone who until that point had made nothing else before um, saying, oh, I'll take a 10 or $15 chance is much different than, you know, if I have just the physical book where it's the, do I want to spend $35 on this or $40 on this for the, you know, when I had my hardcover, yeah, and getting people to bite on on that that PDF was easier. It was also an incentive tool for selling the actual physical book because I'm one of those people. When I sold my game, it's the you bought the physical book, you get a free PDF copy with that. Um, because as I said before, I I think the PDFs are a great supplement to a physical book. Yeah. Um, especially if it's a game you're just learning, you know, and it's like, oh, you know, I'm gonna. I'm going on. I'm going away on a trip for you know, and I'll be in the car for four hours. I can just read through this, and I can just have it on my phone or my tablet, so it's not taking up space in my backpack or suitcase or whatever. If you know, you want people who actually has real luggage. Um, <laughs> so I think for the indie producer, it's it's a more crucial thing than it is for the big guys. Although I think because of that it's making it more important for the big guys to have PDFs as well, because people want it. Um, and I think, I mean, I know people who get PDFs uh, as well as physical copies of games. And a lot of times those PDFs never get used, but it's the fact they want it because they just want, they want that option. If it ever strikes their mood, you know, it's like, ah, oh, yes, I can just pop this up right here. And I've, I've done, character creation using a PDF where I can simply um, I, I do a screen share with people that way I'm not giving the thing away but I'm like you know we're making characters for this game we've never played before here you can see here this is what you need to know to do this um, but yeah for the indie game producer I think it's it's definitely a very crucial thing for them yeah and uh, one of the uh, patreon uh, donations that I make monthly is to Raging Swan Press, and they specialize in supplements for helping make RPG games. And it's not setting specific. Uh, I'm sorry, it's not. Um, oh God, it's not company specific. It's not. Ah, words are my brain is system like totally, specific? system specific. Thank you. Um, all that sun baked brain is really starting to kick in now. Uh, yeah, it's not system specific. So when you are, you know, for me, their Patreon is, uh, $2 per supplement that they put out. And I put a cap on mine for, you know, I'll get two supplements a month, but they offer like five. So for $10 a month you get, and they're, they're useful things. They're not throwaway garbage. 
uh, Raging Swan does does a great job with what they put out. So, and they don't put out just supplements. They do put out settings and campaigns and things like that as well. So they're always working on something. And that is all PDF-based. So there is definitely for, like you say, for smaller presses or for people that um, want to put out smaller products and things like that, it doesn't, it doesn't really pay in that case to, to actually offer a physical copy. It just makes sense for you to offer a PDF and have people can print it out or whatever. That's up to them. So uh, it, makes, it makes perfect sense for, for things like that, for small press, for people trying to get in on the ground floor and having starting to develop a, a resume of product, essentially, uh, that they've put out. And, you know, maybe they work into offering hardcover versions of their stuff, but that's maybe for a time later on. That said, offering the PDF, you know, even after they get to that point still makes perfect sense. Um, well, and I will also say um, with the PDF as well is compared to a physical book is I think there's a lot less um, when, when people buy a physical RPG book, they expect a certain level of artwork. Yes. Not just, not just so much quality wise, but number, they expect, you know, a certain number of, of pieces of art, you know, per page of the book or whatever. And I think, sure. at least in my experience with PDFs, games that are that start or are solely just PDF is there's a lot less art because it's not, you're not going as much for the aesthetic of how it looks as you will with a book. It's more, the PDF is meant to be more just functional. And I mean, with, with Mist Runner, I mean, the PDF is just an exact copy of the book. So all the art that's in the book is on the PDF, but... I've thought of doing supplements that, you know, would, would just be more, I guess, for lack of a better term, blocks of text with only a few images because I have to tell, I mean, art is expensive. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I have some art in, 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 in Mist Runner that was free done by friends who played the game, but for the most part, you know, I, I paid most of my artists. I didn't pay them a lot because they understood the kind of budget I was working on, but I, I paid them for their artwork because that's what you do. You pay people for their work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this makes it a little more tenable for the independent producers that, okay, I can afford this because I'm putting up no money to be printed. And yes, there's print on demand and stuff like that. But if you're going to, if you're going to have physical book, you know, when you, if you go to cons and stuff like that, you got to print those out. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I would always take, you know, I would take about six to 10 copies with me to a con if I was running the game, but then I would take like two or three dozen of the PDF and I'd maybe sell three on a, on a good con until like six copies of the book but I'd sell like a dozen copies of the PDF, um, not counting the ones that I gave away with the people who got the book because sure. it was that easier sell. It's that, yep. hey, I'll, you know, 10 bucks, I'll try out a game for $10. I mean, if nothing else, it, it, it might be just a fun read or I might get information, you know, something I can scavenge for some other game that I play. 
No, exactly. Exactly. But that's yeah. all I have to say about that. <laughs> no, I I think we've covered this very well. So, uh, yeah. The uh, the debate rages on, but uh, essentially it, it boils down to however you want to consume it. Like I said before, you're paying for it. You should be able to make that choice of, of how you how you own it, how you consume it, how you keep it. That should be your choice. So, and I, I don't see PDFs replacing books anytime soon. No, completely. No, I mean I, I think there'll be some things you will see that will be exclusively for PDF. And yeah. I think more of that's going to be the small press. But I don't see like Pathfinder or D and D or Shadowrun no. or Star Wars anytime going to a strictly PDF format. They're gonna they're gonna keep doing the books because. Well, one, they've got they got it in their budgets. Yep. Also, it's just they, they sell. I mean, I my store still sells players' handbooks and dungeon masters guides at a really really good pace, even with it having been out for over you know over a year now. Is it almost two years? Two years, um, and still sells at a great clip, um, better than anything of any previous edition ever did. Better than. Pathfinder or Star Wars ever sold for us. So books aren't going anywhere anytime soon. True that. All right. Now we're going to wrap things up. (laughs) And you can keep on top of what Adventure Party is up to by following Galactic Netcasts on Twitter, by liking our Facebook page, or subscribing to our YouTube channel. We also have accounts on some other social media platforms as well. <clears throat> just search for <clears throat> excuse me sorry about that just search for galactic netcasts or click on corresponding logos in the top right of our main webpage at gncasts.com you can support all that galactic netcast does by making a monthly recurring pledge at patreon.com/galacticnetcasts your 1 3 or 5 dollar uh, every month uh should have said dollars every month. Uh, it helps us pay for operating costs such as web and audio hosting. And the best part is at every level of giving, you will get a, a bit of bonus content that other listeners won't have access to. Again, if you want to contribute, go to patreon.com slash galactic netcasts. And for more on this podcast, including show notes, contact info, and more, go to gncasts.com slash adventure. And you can subscribe to this podcast by going to gncasts.com slash subscribe or search for us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or anywhere fine podcasts are offered. So thanks, Glenn, for taking the time to... talk about the uh the great debate of pdf versus print where can people find out more about you what you do and more about your rpg mistrunner you can find out more about me uh by going to the facebooks i've got some mistrunner stuff on there there's mistrunner.com which is sadly sadly neglected and i want to change that but i'm a procrastinator and i like fallout 4 too much um you're here um, also, uh, you can find some of my other stuff on YouTube with the B Movie Bunker with Guy in a Bunker Productions, along with my short films. 
uh, and some of their podcasts I'm on, like Asher Radio Z uh, and the Spoiler Room. And you can find those at Special Mark Productions or just do a search for the Spoiler Room or Asher Radio Z on Facebook. And yeah, or just follow me on Twitter. That's the best way to find out what I'm doing. Just at Guy in a Bunker. Yes, and you are very active on the tweeters. So <clears throat> there you go. Uh, thanks, every uh, every oh, Jesus Christ. I need to go to bed now. Thank you so much for joining us at the adventure party. May your characters never die, and your adventures always be epic. Thank you, and good night. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.